Camera speeds. Hey, Mark. Hello there. Welcome back to another episode of the Focus Polar at Work podcast. I am Nicholas Brown, and today I will be your host. Today, I'm speaking with Andrew Bradford. Bradford is a first AC based in Charlotte, North Carolina, who works all over the world. He's also one of our podcast hosts. Doing most of his work in the indie and commercial world, Bradford and I discuss the technical aspects of lens control systems, what it means to be a good camera assistant, and many other things. Please enjoy. All right, guys. Well, I'm here with Andrew Bradford, First AC, sometimes a cinematographer, according to your IMDb. Uh, we haven't discussed that yet, but we could talk about that. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for so much for being with me. So anyone who doesn't know, um, you, I'm sure you know at this point if you're listening, but Andrew's also going to be one of the... Uh, do you want to be called Bradford or Andrew or what is it? What, what do you like to be called? No, everyone mostly calls me Bradford uh, ever since I was like 12 years old. So okay, Bradford's copy. great. So Bradford is going to be one of our other uh, Focus Pro at Work hosts. So we're just uh, doing this thing and introducing everybody. So uh, yeah, he's going to be another one of the hosts. So, so your work as a first AC, what's your main field of work? So most of what I do, it tends to be in the narrative field. So I end up doing a lot of indie movies, a couple like narrative doc stuff, um, but it's mostly that stuff. And then whenever I'm not pulling focus, it's probably about like 90% first day seeing on that narrative stuff. And then it's like 10%, like I'll be DPing and shooting as much doc or short film stuff as I can. Interesting. And how did you get into this? What was your journey to becoming interested in the film industry and then, you know, getting into it? So that's a good question. I think that uh, unlike a lot of people, I don't think that there was ever a point in my journey where I was like, man, I want to make movies and stuff. That was like a defining moment for me. It was kind of like one of those things where I grew up and anytime that I found myself around a camera, I always wanted to be taking pictures, filming whatever I could, whatever I could do with my friends. I always wanted to be the one holding the camera or filming it. So uh, I know there was plenty of times where I would like act out things with my Legos and I would be filming it, doing any sort of stop motion that I could, or I would go get my friends and we would film a fight scene outside. Even from when I was like, man, I think I was like six or seven, we like reenacted like Robin Hood and uh, we just like did a bunch of stunts and ran around and, and had a blast with that. So I was always finding myself loving the idea of storytelling through camera work and stuff. I want to say it was like probably around 2010, I really got my hands on a DSLR and I was blown away with what it could do. Uh, I never seen something with that kind of quality. And I just remember like getting one in my hands, taking as many pictures as I could. And then someone was like, oh yeah, you can actually do video with this too. And I couldn't believe it. And so I was like filming everything that I could whenever I could rent one out from our school. Um, and yeah, I, after that, it was like, man, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is something that I jump into. Maybe this is something that I uh, might enjoy. Uh, for me, sports was my main passion. So I ended up trying to go to college uh, to play sports. They didn't allow walk-ons. And so I fully decided, well, then I'm going to jump in and try to figure out this camera thing. And uh, then for me, I went in and uh, found out that I went to a pretty uh, not so great school for film. <laughs> and so I dropped out and uh, jumped into film full-time and just thankfully had a lot of people that gave me a lot of good chances. So how did you, was your school that you went to, even though it wasn't a good school for film per se, did you meet people there that were working professionally or like working in the indie world and were able to give you an opportunity after you left? Or 
How did you, having quit school, get your foot in the door with, you know, the indie scene or the local scene that you were joining? So actually, it's a good question. I uh, ended up meeting uh, one of my closest friends, uh, Justin Robinson, from there. But we actually weren't super close while we were both at school. Um, We ended up becoming a lot closer friends after he had graduated and I uh, had dropped out. But while we were there, we weren't actually that close. I remember, uh, so right when I dropped out, uh, a lot of my um, journey into filmmaking started with uh, me just hustling as hard as I could in any music videos that I could get on to. I, I remember like just taking any song that came out and I would like try to do any lyric video that I could. I would do whatever I could to just get myself an open door to some of these artists and then being like, they're like, oh yeah, that's a great, that's a great video. And I was like, actually, I shoot more than I do any of this graphic stuff and uh, jumped into them, like meeting them, getting on board with uh, trying to do projects with them. And then from there, people just got to see that I was shooting a lot of stuff. And then it kind of snowballed from there and people just were seeing stuff that I would post on uh, Facebook or whatever and saying, hey, if you're working on that stuff, could you come camera PA on this? And thankfully, I had a lot of people that uh, just needed a camera PA and then slowly, quickly found myself into positions where I was second ACing and then first ACs getting sick and then me having to jump into pool focus and whatnot. So were you, a, were you a natural focus puller? I assume you were. Or was it one of those things where you really had to learn and it was tough at first? Because there's people, I've had this conversation with several first ACs where like, there's people that can just do it. And then there's people that like have to learn how to do it because it's just not innately there. I think the the competitive side of me, uh, just from being an athlete, I think uh, as soon as I picked up a camera, one of the first things someone told me was, oh, make sure you stop it down because it's impossible to keep in focus if you shoot it wide open. And I was like, oh, done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it wide open and I'll be able to keep it in focus just because you said I can't. Uh, and I remember just like running around and just filming and pulling off of the barrel because I was shooting so much um, and just doing everything that I could. And then I would have like other people just like, I'd be like, hey, just hold the camera. People who weren't operators didn't do anything, just friends and be like, hey, just walk around and I'll pull off the side uh, just because then I was having to react to stuff that I wasn't ready for. And so for me, it was like very, I, I never struggled with fo- pulling focus. Um, I actually really enjoyed the the competitive side of like, man, I just, I'm not going to miss. Like I get one take of this, I'm not going to miss. And I loved, I loved that challenge of, of being reliable, being the person that's like, Hey, it's fourth down. Like, I want you to throw the ball to me. I want to score the touchdown. Like, you know, that kind of, that kind of edge. It's like, man, if we get one, if we get one take at this, it's sunset, we get one take at this. Like, I want you to be able to shoot this wide open and I will nail it for you. And you don't have to look back at me and be like, man, what happened? It's like, man, I got you every time. That's awesome, man. Yeah. The first time I ever had the actual opportunity to actually try to put focus on a job, I wasn't working as the first AC. It was just a situation where like, hey, yeah, give it a shot, you know? And I don't think I'm innately one of those people that can just nail it. I can do it now. Like I can pull focus now because I've had lots of practice, but I'll never forget like them in my ear, you know, and I'm like screwing it up, screwing it up. We've done it four times in a row now. And they're like, Nick, Nick. I'm like, dude, you saying my name in the walkie in my ear while we're trying to do this is not helping me. That's the that's the best way that's the best way to blow someone's focus there. It's like Seriously. man, that's so funny. No, yeah, for me, for me, it was always like I just loved I loved the idea of like man, whether it's like you're shooting a wedding or whether you're like pulling focus on a short film. It's like man, the bride walks down the aisle once and you got to nail it, you know. And it's it's that same way of like man, there's so many indie films. It's like you just don't get a chance to do 
it's like sometimes the actors really are bad at hitting their marks and there's just a magical take. And it's like, you just got to be ready for that. The last thing you need to do is cause production to have to do another take. And so I love the idea of being like, I will be the one thing in the midst of all the things that are going wrong. I want it to be the one thing that is going right for you. Right. So did you work your way up from pulling off the barrel to pulling on analog follow focus to a wireless follow focus? Or did you go straight from the barrel to the wireless? No. So I, I, I went up the... Uh, Right off of the barrel, I went straight to manual follow focus. Um, and then I went to digital uh, quickly after that. I, I tried to buy a cheap like DJI one. Um, and that served me about as good as any of those cheap wireless ones would. You know, it, it did the job until uh, eventually I ended up getting a professional one and all that stuff. But no, it was uh, a lot of times, man, just being able to know how it pulls off of the barrel and having to do that for so many years and then moving to a manual and then all that stuff. It just helped me really learn all the, all the lenses so well and just knowing how focus totally works and all that stuff. I'm not a very technical person. I try to like focus a lot more on story, but just being able to really become one with the lens there, it, that, that transition for me was very helpful. I'm thankful I didn't jump straight from pulling off the barrel straight to like a wireless or anything. I'm thankful for that like slow transition through that. Then do you prefer like a lot of the cheaper... I don't mean to say cheap, but a lot of the more affordable wireless follow focuses, like the throw doesn't change. You know, you can't change the rings is what I'm trying to say. When you can't make map them, the lenses. And do you like it where no matter what ring you're on, it's like one-to-one with the lens? Or do you like, like say the Preston, for, for instance, you know, you can put on the A ring or the C ring or whatever ring to give yourself more of a throw between, you know, tighter or, or wider. Do you like the one-to-one mapping or do you like to... No, no, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I, I personally, man, I love, actually love not mapping a lens in that, in that regard. I love, uh, I love each lens feeling very differently. Um, I love knowing that a 35 is going to pull at a certain speed. And I love that it's going to pull differently at a speed than a, than a 25. And it's going to pull differently than an 85. And I love having to adjust my ramp and all that stuff. And it just being in tune with, with how that is in, in the scene, I actually really enjoy. I know that most Everybody else does not enjoy that. Um, but for me, it's, it's a lot more of I, I end up getting to be really in tune with each of the lenses and knowing like, hey, man, there's this sticky spot right here. Or, you know, like I really love the fine details of like when we're in this focus range, like I know exactly how it's going to move and all that stuff. And it's not like calculating something for me. I, I enjoy knowing exactly how that full 100 throw is for me for each lens differently. I, I tend to agree with you. And again, I'm not a fo- professional focus puller, so I haven't like used the more expensive ones, you know, on a day-to-day basis. But the ones that I have used, I've used the more affordable ones. And I enjoy knowing that like, no matter w- how much I turn it, I'm turning it the same. The, the, the ramp isn't changing. It's just, this is the lens. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I just absolutely love just trying to learn the characters of each lens as they, as they pull. So I think that that's something that's, that's pretty fun. Yeah. So, you know, now that we've discussed the lens control systems, what, what do you think is your favorite one that you used and, and why? Man, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the, of the C-Motion C-Pro. Uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, it's been so faithful to me. I've gotten to use pretty much all of them out there. Um, you know, Preston's awesome. Uh, it just is a little bulky for me. Uh, but I truly love uh, getting to do everything that I can with the C-Motion. I'm thankful that I, that I bought one. Um, it's been, it's been there through me through thick and thin, I think through, whew, man, 
probably double digit features now. So it's been it's been great. And I, I don't I don't uh, put a, any light wear and tear on mine. Mine, mine goes through the battlegrounds. Uh, I, I don't work on uh, on features that give me a lot of a uh, cushion and stuff. So it's a uh, it's been faithful to go through all the rugged battles I've been through. Nice. I've actually never used that one. So how does it how does it stack up? Not stack up like comparatively, but what is the what are some similarities between that and like a Preston or like a Bartek? Uh, so I think it's it's pretty similar in, in, in the regards that like, you know, it does what it's supposed to. I think the main thing that I love the most about it is it just feels very intuitive for uh, for me as a first AC. Like it just has a lot more um, customizability, a lot more uh, ability for me to put the exact uh, functions that I want to each button. Um, I'm able to change that up as I want to. I'm able to uh, do things without having to like bend over backwards or be like, man, where is this thing? Like the menu systems are great. You know, it's the main thing for me is that it just has never like failed. Like most of the time, if anything's wrong, it's because of a user error. And I love that. I love that knowing that like, man, if there's something that's going wrong with something on the camera, it's because of my fault. And it's not because of the technical side of, of our focus pulling machine. So um, I love being able to know that like, okay, cool. So I'm doing something wrong. Let me make sure that I've got my settings correct in here because it's doing what it's supposed to. So I think that that is like the one time where I've, I think everything with camera for me, it just like comes down to like being able to have a tool that does what it does without you having to think about it. And I think that it even boils down to like, man, what makes a great AC is it's like, man, when we're doing what we do and we're doing it so that we're invisible and we're not drawing attention to ourselves, that's when we're doing our jobs the best, you know? And I think that's when you know, obviously, you know, all of our camera equipment, it's like why everyone loves Aerie. It's like Aerie works like a camera because you're not having to think about it as a camera. Like there's, you're not having to dig through a menu to be like, man, where do I have to black shade? Or, hey, there's this error that popped up. It's like everything just like, hey, I need to change the ISO. It's right there. Hey, I need to change this setting. It's right there. You know, it's not a complicated thing. And it's like, I think when things work the way that they're supposed to, you know, uh, it's, it's a great example of how we need to be as, you know, ACs, you know, where we're, you know, going invisible, we're doing what we need to do. And there's no digging around like, hey, man, what happened here? It's like, I, I think that that's why I've loved this C-Motion so much is that it's just been faithful, I guess, if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. I think that's, I'm trying to think of like I'm, I'm, things that don't work like that. And the first thing that comes to my mind is a gimbal. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I could, you couldn't get me started enough about gimbal stuff, man. <laughs> I, that's, they have been they have been the bane of my existence. Everyone who knows me knows that they just smile anytime like a gimbal conversation comes up because it's like, man, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And I'm like, man, I know I know what I can control. The thing is, is that thing has a mind of its own and it it's always going to do what it wants to do. And I will do whatever I can to make sure that what I'm doing is is right. But I can't control what it wants to do. Right. It's so it's so frustrating whenever you like you get on a job and they're like, oh, by the way, we don't have Steadicam. We have a Movie Pro. And it's like, hmm. I hope you guys have, I hope you guys have calculated all the time that we're going <laughs> to need to be fixing all the things that don't go right with this. Right. Well, a lot of the times I think one of the main issues is, you know, sometimes DPs think of it like it's this mega workhorse that can do anything and they want to put any any size lens on there with a tiny little camera body and it's like you, everything's got to be balanced it's not going to work with these giant lenses like it's just not going to work you know and it just like you said it has a mind of its own that you just can't control yeah I, for me for me that that's that's the thing is it's like man the 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 hands of the storytelling or filmmaking need to be in the hands of the filmmakers 
And the more that like, to me, it's like the more that we try to like sometimes overthink some things where it's like, man, Steadicam is great because it's being operated by a human. It's like, man, that's why it works. That's why it's special. That's why it's like doing what it needs to do. It's pushing in when you need it to push in. It's, you know, not losing its horizon or, you know, you're able to like adjust it without it, like doing a thing of its own. All of a sudden you're not being like, what happened mid shot? It's like, oh man, that was like a, you know, you have a human behind it. You have intuition. It's like the same reason why, you know, I'm obviously, I know that autofocus is going to be a, a more and more part of what we do. But at the same point too, it's like, man, there's a reason why that we have first ACs that are pulling focus because there's, there's that human element of knowing like, this is how fast that focus pull needs to be. This is how, this is when, and all that stuff. And so, no, yeah, I'm, I'm all with you, man. Like, let's let, let's let uh, the filmmakers be the people that are in charge of uh, making the filmmaking decisions and not letting robots do too much. Just like, I don't think that this, the, the movie or a gimbal will ever replace the Steadicam. I just don't think it will. Uh, I don't think that autofocus will ever replace I mean, they're going to try and try and try to make autofocus a thing, but I don't think it'll ever replace first ACs because there's an art form to being a Steadicam operator. There's an art form to being a focus puller. You can't get rid of, filmmaking is an art form. You can't get rid of all the components of art and expect people to just still accept it, you know? It's true. It's true. I think that there, that, is, that is a very way, good way to put it. What other, uh, what other equipment do you think a first AC should own or a camera assistant in general? Uh, that's a good question, man. I, I am, I am all about, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not a super, super technical person, but what I, what I do know is like, man, being able to find the holes in film sets and being able to plug those holes, man, like that's, that's the key, man, as a, as, as a camera assistant or any, honestly, any position on set, man, you're like, your job is to be like a Swiss army knife and just being able to like fix, fix all the leaks that are coming into the boat because, uh, I think one one filmmaker uh, that I know said it really really well is that like your filmmaking is kind of like you're you're in a boat and it's got a bunch of holes and you're trying to get from one destination to the other and it's gonna fill up with water and you've got to try to still make it to the other side and figuring out how to plug up those holes as you go um, and new ones are gonna arise and you're gonna have to figure out how to do all that so I think it like specific tools that I have or that I that I think that someone should I mean like just man getting a good faithful bag um, getting like tools that you actually enjoy using a good set of Allen keys, a good set of like, you know, uh, Phillips head stuff, you know, flathead stuff, you know, things that are reliable. I think that's the main thing is like trying to find tools that aren't, uh, you know, tools for having tools sake. It's tools that are like serving a purpose, man, that are like, just like, man, at the end of the day, I know I can trust you. Like everything else in, in this set is going to fail. So like, what are the things that I can always fall back on and be like, man, I've got it. Like this thing is always going to be there for me. So I, you know, it changes season to season for me, but it's like, man, just finding those, finding those things that have been able to, you know, be, be a backbone for, for me to fall back onto. So you own a, you own a lens control system. Do you think that first AC should own one or can they rent one? Or how about a monitor? Do you feel like a first AC should own a monitor? See, I do, I do own my own monitor um, because I just want to be able to have a monitor that I trust. You know, the, I don't want to ever have to show up on set and be given a monitor that's uh not trustworthy but as far as owning gear man i think that's such a tricky question because i know for me i own a, a lot of gear but i don't know if that's right for everyone i know that i'm in a place um a market where if i don't have the gear that i have like i'm given a bunch of crap or i don't have it and so for me it's a lot more of like man i'm here 
to do my job and I want to do my job the best that I can. And the way that I can do the best that I can is, is being able to have stuff that I trust. And so for me, it was like, man, if I want to have a map box, that's not going to drop filters or fall apart or be a pain to rig. I just need to own a good map box myself. Uh, if I want to be able to pull focus and be able to trust what I'm seeing on my monitor, I need to own a monitor that I trust. So for me in the market that I am like doing so many indie films and all that stuff, you know, I, I want to say, so I've worked on like 22 features and, and in about like six years. And so in that it's like, I, I probably like maybe two of them or three of them are, are features where we actually had the budget to be like, Hey, let's get what we need. A lot of it, it's like, man, we have a body and it's like, good luck. You know, it's like some of them, some of them, it's like, we're even like using my lenses because we don't have the budget for lenses and stuff. So in that regard, it's like, I'm thankful that I own what I own because, you know, I, we wouldn't be able to make some of the films that I've been a part of without me having that. Or I would be having to pull off of a barrel or being able to pull off manually or whatnot. And it's just nice to be able to be like, no, I'm going to be able to level this whole production up by just owning what I own. So in that regard, I think, you know, if you can rent, awesome, because then you don't have to worry about spending money and all that stuff. But for me, it was like a necessary, you know, like, hey, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be great at what I do, I just, I need to own what I, what I need to own. So. Right. Well, I, I think that's, I think that's kind of a general consensus with most first ACs that I work with. It's like, you know, let's pretend you're like a race car driver and, you know, not that they own, not that the driver themselves like own the car, but it's like you have to be constantly borrowing someone else's car every race. And you're like, how can I trust that vehicle every single race? Like if I want to be good at racing, I want my car and I want to know the car and I want to know how it feels and know that I can trust getting to know it. And I think that's, I think that's a general consensus with most first ACs. Like most of them that I know that I work with own their own focus pulling you know, LCS and they have their monitor, like you said, that they trust and they know the color's good on it and they know the peaking, they got all their settings set perfectly. Um, I think that's, yeah, kind of a general consensus. Yeah, yeah. You know, like for me, it's like, I, I, at the end of the day, I just want to be as reliable as possible. And for me to be as reliable as possible, it comes down to, I have to, I have to like take as many unknown variables out of the equation. And so much of those unknown variables can be equipment. And so it's like, if I can, if I can have equipment that I know is going to be faithful, then I'm taking out so many possible factors that could go wrong out of the equation. And so that's, that's what it comes down to for me. But again, at the end of the day, some, like some people all the time are like sending me like, Hey man, is this good to own? Should I buy this? And I'm like, man, it depends on the market you're in. If you're in a place where you're able to have production, buy it every time, it's like, awesome. Like, you know, let them if you don't want to take on that burden, but you know, at the same point, I'm not in a place where we have like tons of rental money for a lot of that stuff. It's like, Hey man, I know that I can, I can still do what I need to do and, and continue to grow as a first AC and continue to grow as a right-hand man to the DP. You know, if I'm able to just take out those factors and just being like, Hey, I have everything that I need. I don't need anything else. Right. What do you think makes a good camera assistant first AC and or second AC? That's a, that's, that's awesome. No, I think coming down to it, I think there's so much of what makes a good, you know, assistant camera assistant is just the human skills of, of everything, man. Like I, I try to tell everyone that I bring on as a second or who's, who's going to be on B camera or whatever. Like the main thing that matters to me is like having a good attitude and hustling because at the end of the day, it's like our job is to be there for the DP 
and to be able to execute the vision that's that's at hand. Um, and so much of that is like, I can I can teach you all the technical side of stuff. I can teach you. I can say what the settings need to be. I can help you with the build. I can help you with all this other stuff. The one thing that I cannot do is I cannot teach you good attitude and I cannot teach you hustle. That idea of that, being able to have good awareness on set, just being able to know like anticipation is like everything to me. It's like just knowing like, man, this is what's happening. I need to be ready for this coming up. Just being able to have that critical thinking, all of that stuff, like that's the stuff that I'm like, man, there's so much of this stuff that like goes into, I know I, I just go back to sports every time, but it's like, man, just learning how to be clutch, learning how to be like, man, when it comes down to those, those crunch time situations, it's like, this is the reason why you shouldn't get stressed is because you've worked so hard to build all the good habits that you've done to get to this moment right now. And this is the moment when everything is high tension and stressful. This is when you lean back on those good habits. This is when you lean back into all the things that you have practiced. And this is when you should be the least stressed because you've prepped for this. So like in that regard, it's like what makes a good first AC, second AC is like, man, are you building good habits? Like every single time that you, you do a take, it's like, what is your routine? It's like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. You make eye contact, like make sure you're making eyes with the DP, making sure you're making eyes with your second. You're making all these, all these conscious decisions. Like what are the habits? What are the routines that you're building? Like, how are you making sure that you're a good leader? What are you doing every single time that it's blocking? It's like, Hey, are you paying attention to where the camera's going to be looking? Make sure you're not telling your camera PA to go set up a monitor where you're going to be looking the shot after. It's like all of those things like need to be thought about. So to me, it's like, what makes all that stuff? It, it all boils down to like, man, are you focusing on all the other things that are not focused? <laughs> like that, and I know that that's like a, a little cheesy there, but at the same point, it's like pulling focus is so little of what we do. It's a very important, obviously, of what we do. And, you know, it's like same for a second. It's like, it's not just clapping the slate in front of the camera. It's like, man, do you know where you're walking in? Do you know your, all the eye lines? Do you know that you're making sure that you're not going to like clap this and like be super loud while an actor or actress is like trying to like focus in like, are you aware of that stuff? Are you aware that like, you're not going to be trying to like step over a bunch of C stands on your way back. So you're not tripping or causing like, oh, sorry guys, hang on. It's like 20 seconds for you to get to your place. It's like, are you aware of like all of those things, all your eyelines, everything. And then like knowing like, okay, as soon as we're done this take, what are we moving on to? And then it's, it's like clockwork, man. So I don't know. I know it's a long-winded answer, but I think that all of these things of like how you become efficient and all the habits you build, man, that's that's what makes that's what makes a good camera assistant. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, it's not really a long-winded answer, but I I completely agree with you. It's like I feel like me when I was a camera PA, you know, I used to get really really nervous because I didn't want to make mistakes, so I would just there was no set awareness for me as a camera PA. I just didn't understand how the machine worked. And so I would almost kind of just like always wait for people to tell me what I need to be doing, which as a camera assistant, like now you don't, you don't even have to think about things. You, like you said, you build these habits and they're so ingrained in your brain that it's like, you'll just do things on autopilot, you know, all these things you need to be doing. And now I look back at myself, I, I, I have to look back at myself and almost cringe uh, how I used to be, you know, but it's like, it's like anything. It's like wrapping cable, making sure that everyone wraps cable the same direction. So then when we're on our, you know, 20 or whatever hour 16, you're not picking up a cable that's wrapped backwards the way you wrap it. And then you're having to like think about how you're going to wrap it so you don't tie it in knots. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Like it is all about your habits. And like you said, just leaning back on those things and 
that's what I, I, I mean, I know I asked you the question, but I completely agree with you. Like, that's what makes a good camera assistant. It's like being able to just go into autopilot and just lean back onto these habits that you've built. Yeah, I think, I think it's so true, man. And I think that like what you said too, like, I think so many people come into this industry and they're so afraid of making mistakes. And I think that like my biggest reminder to everyone that jumps in, it's like, Hey, just remember that like mistakes are a good thing. It's like, I can't remember who said it, but it's like the best part about playing sports is obviously winning the game. The second best part about playing sports is losing the game because it means that you were there in the first place. And so it's like one of those things, it's like, man, you had the opportunity to compete and like, that's the next best thing apart from winning. It's like, so it's like, obviously like succeeding in filmmaking is obviously the best thing, but like the next best thing is making a mistake because it's an opportunity to learn. And it means that you were there and you had a chance to learn it and to attempt. And so it's like one of those things that's like, it's that, it's that whole idea of like, sometimes it's just so we can all get into our own heads and all that stuff, but it's like, man, mistakes, mistakes are what make us all better. And it's like one of those things of like figuring out how to take away like all the insecurities and all the anxiety and all the stress and being like, nah, man, like this is, this is how we all grow. Like if you were perfect, you obviously wouldn't be in this position. Like it's okay, man. It's like, this is where we are. This is the movie that we're on. This is the project we're on. If we were, if we were not making mistakes, we wouldn't be here. Like we're obviously here at this place in, in, in filmmaking for a reason. So it's like, it's healthy to understand. It's like, okay, now how do we eliminate them? Or how do we make sure that we continue to grow from that? So in that regard, it's like, for me, a lot of the time I tell everyone, it's like, hey man, a lot of the time you're going to see so many mistakes or you're going to make a lot of mistakes. It's like continuing to just learn. Like some of the lessons are like learning what not to do. How do you continue? How do you continue? It's like, it's not always lessons of what, what you should do. It's learning. Oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Or, oh man, like I can be better. Or you see somebody else make a mistake. It's like, okay, make sure not to do that next time. Yeah. Like if you see someone else. So it's like all that stuff. It's like, man, mistakes are helpful for everyone because obviously don't, don't continue to make them. But like, they're great examples of how we have benchmarks to grow. Well, on the subject of mistakes, are there any that you as a, as a camera assistant have made, you know, coming up that were good life lessons, you know, for your job? Uh, I think nothing specific comes to mind. Thankfully, I have not dropped a camera or dropped a lens, uh, haven't like lost any gear or anything. But I think the biggest, and there's no specific example, but I think just in general, like the biggest mistake that I made grow, like, you know, growing into being a first is the whole leadership idea of like, man, own your mistakes. Like, and I think I was so afraid to own my mistakes at the beginning. It's like, man, excuses do nothing for anyone. And for me, it was that, that journey of learning, like, man, if you make a mistake, like own it, admit to it and, and take it on as your own. And then, and then like move forward from there because honesty helps everyone, you know, being able to like stop the, the, the problem with you helps everyone. Like, don't keep passing that down. Don't keep blaming that on someone else. Don't like, don't lie, like any of that stuff. And I've just seen so much of that where it's like, oh man, like this happened. It was, if I had this or whatever, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, okay, sorry, that was my bad. I will be better next time. Like that was, I think the biggest like mistake that I made was like, it just took me a while to just like own up into that and just being like, no, 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 man. Like you got to be a leader. And what does it mean to be a leader and all that kind of stuff? And just being able to like, man, own, own your mistakes. Uh, I know that's not a specific example, but that was probably the biggest mistake that I know I, I made going up was just like trying to make sure that I was never at fault. And like, I think that's a big mistake because I am at fault for things. Like everyone's at fault for things and just like owning, owning that fault and being like, okay, cool. That's how I grow. That's how I move forward. You know? So 
Yeah, I think I made the same. Honestly, I made the same mistake as a as a camera PA. I wanted to, I wanted to be like, well, there here's here's the reason why I'm not at fault here. And if the guys that were training me were like, stop, I don't need to hear your reasoning. Just do what I asked you to do, or you know, don't do it again, or whatever. And uh, yeah, you you grow out of that. And I think that a lot. Of, I think a lot of that builds from con- the confidence thing, where I wasn't confident in my abilities at the job. And so I wasn't confident to be like, you're right, I screwed up. I know what I should have been doing and I didn't do it, you know, the right way or I didn't do it the way you asked me to do it because I thought it was be- it would be better the way I did it and it didn't work out. Yeah, totally, totally. So how do you as an AC set your DP up for success? How do I set my DP up for success? Man, I think that that's one of my favorite parts about being a first AC because uh, in all honesty, like, being a DP is my dream. That's my end goal. Like I want to DP movies. So I spent a lot of time thinking about like, man, how do I set my DPs up for success? Because at the end of the day, I want to be a DP. I want to be set up for success. And I want to know what that takes for myself. Like I need to know all the holes that I'm going to face when I DP. Um, so I spent a lot of time just trying to think through all that stuff. And I think one of my favorite things about, you know, what, what do I do is, is learning a DP because so much of you know, what it means to set up a DP for success is just learning who your DP is, finding out their personalities, finding out like, you know, what makes them tick, finding out like where their habits are going to go. Like, you know, what, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And then I, I, I just am a person that like is very analytical. I see a lot of things I, uh, before they happen or I see people's personalities a lot before like I really get to know. I'm able to just like tell people pretty quickly um, and being able to like find out like what a DPs or a personal, you know, like personal things like where they're weak and being able to be like, man, that's a hole that I can plug. You know, if they're a DP that's insecure about something, it's like, man, I will I will make sure that I affirm them in these areas, you know, and if they're if there's somebody that needs a lot of like, you know, feedback on stuff, it's like, man, I'm going to be there to give that feedback. If they're someone who's like, hey, you know what? I'm all lighting, like all camera stuff. That's all you. It's like, awesome, cool. I will not bring up any camera stuff for you. Like, I know you trust me with all that stuff, but there's some people that are like, man, you need to have a lot more say in this. It's like, hey man, this is yours, man. I'm here for what you need. You tell me what you want, you know? And so it's like, just kind of like figuring out that bending and breaking and finding out like, what kind of first AC do I need to be? And I think that that's how I really enjoy figuring out how to set my DP up for success. It's just like spending time learning who my DP is. Um, because I think that that's like, it's so much easier to go to battle for a DP if you know who they are, you know, um, just, just knowing what makes them care about things, what makes them, you know, operate the camera the way that they do, you know, being able to know like, man, when it gets to crunch time, this is how they get stressed. How do I help eliminate that stress? You know, that's, that's the stuff that I think about. Right. How about the camera department as a whole? Like as a leader, how do you set up the camera department for, uh, success? I try to, I try to uh, just create this atmosphere of like, man, like, don't get bored with consistency. Like, cons- consistency is what what makes us great, and being and and that consistency is consistency is greatness. You know, it's that whole idea of like, camera, we move at the same speed. Everything that we do is at the highest level of efficiency, and and in that, like, we never move faster, we never move slower. We're always at the same speed, and that's always our greatest efficiency. And, uh, and just like that whole idea of like, just creating this, like, man, we're always at peak performance, whether anyone else in the crew is or not, like everyone in the crew is going to feed off of what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, you can't make a movie with a C stand. You can't make a movie with hair and makeup. Like 
I, I, all of those things are what make movies better. But at the end of the day, you need your camera department to be killing it because everyone's going to feed off of that because you need a camera to shoot a movie. And so in that, it's like, there's no room for error. There's no room for downtime. There's no room for anything but efficiency. So it's always figuring out like, man, how are we going to function in all of this? And how do we do it at the, at the top level? And then like, that's our consistency. And then don't get bored with that. Like, don't be like, man, I'm tired of this or like start slacking. But it's like, no, no, no. Like, this is where we take our pride. We take our pride in being the most efficient on set. This is where like we're clockwork every time. Clockwork. And so I try to like just help everyone understand. It's like, man, take pride in the way that you lay your cable. Take pride in the way that you keep Video Village clean. Take pride in the fact that your slate is clean and that you came in and got out and you were perfect with that. Take pride in the fact that you are taking camera notes and you know what those settings are. So that way, if we ever have to come back to that, you know where that is. You know what that is. And so it's just like all of those things. It's like, man, like these are the things like that we get to do that contribute to the end goal of making a film. Let's take pride in our work. Like, and let's be consistent with it. So I try to, I try to like find ways to just make sure that everyone is able to really take pride in all of their work. I think it's so important because it's, you take pride in the small things and it translates to whatever, whatever you go on to do. If you're a camera PA and you take pride in how you're running cable, that's going to show once you're then, you know, DPing or directing, like you're, you're then taking all the small details and you're putting the hard work into that. It's like, man, that's all the character that I need to know. It's like, I, I don't know. I think that it just translates so, so far into, into everything that you do. So I try to help, I try to help instill that in, in any of my camera departments. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like the whole taking pride thing. Also, you know, when, when it comes to, like you were saying, like you can't make a movie with a C-stand and, and you know, hair and makeup, like obviously it's all a, 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 an amalgamation. It's a melting pot of all the departments that, that are required. But camera's like one of the only departments that doesn't have, we don't get to stop working. Yeah. Once we're in, we are working and we are working all day until they call wrap. The camera department works all day. Um, you know, and that's yeah. another thing. That's a thing that I'm, I've been dealing with at work. It's like, people don't understand that. And like, we have, you know, with, we're in COVID right now. We're still doing the COVID thing. So like, we have a COVID department now and they'll be like, they'll call you up when you're on set and they'll be like, yo, just so you know, you can only test until like one o'clock today. And it's like, all right, well, you guys, maybe you should send somebody over here with a test because we're all very busy. We, we can't just step away and come get our nose swabbed every time you guys want us to. There's too much going on, you know? It's it's already hard enough to find a time to go to the bathroom as a first AC. I'm like, man, I'm I'm already doing everything all the time. I I have no time to go to the bathroom. I can't step away to do some of the so many other things. So right, the the, the best parts when they're like, hey, just so you know, your DP needs to test still, and I'm like, okay, like I get it, but do you have you been on the set before? Have you seen what happens? Like he doesn't really have time to step away to come take a test with you. Like you know. But we get it, we get it, we get it figured out. We take care of it. But, you know, it's just one of those added wrenches that gets tossed in nowadays. For, oh, yeah. We'll see how for how long. Hopefully not for too long, too much longer, but we'll see. So you've been in the business for a while. What do you think is the most challenging project that you've had today? And how did you tackle that challenge? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know if I've actually thought about what the toughest project was that I've had to work on and how did I, how did I overcome that? Man, I think... That's a great, that's a great one. I think the toughest things that I've had to overcome is just not being complacent in, in some of, in some of these, some of these, uh, these projects. Um, but I'm trying to think of some good specific examples. 
Man, there's been some hard movies like physically. I know I did this movie uh, during the pandemic um, and we went out to Oregon for two and a half weeks. And I remember we were shooting most of that movie on like a 30 to 300 with a doubler. So I was like lugging this thing around through miles and miles and it was like all in the woods. And so I spent, I, I clocked so many miles walking this thing all the way through, uh, through the woods. So that was a tough one. You were shooting wide open, I assume also. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wide open. <laughs> Most of the time at a 600. Yeah, it was it was a lot. And there was like no rehearsals and we would do one take, maybe two. But I, that one was tough. I know just for physical reasons, we, I mean, lugging that and then lugging sticks and trying to get all the, all the gear everywhere. Um, that was a tough one. I know that there is like, uh, there was another one I, when I was a second where we just had like, we were shooting this movie on a campgrounds and just getting the gear all through the campgrounds was a, a, a toll. Like we just had to push that cart through so much stuff and carry so much gear. And it was like, all right, com- company move over to here. And it's like, all right, it's three trips for us. And so it's like half a mile and you're like, all right, cool. Let's get this over there. Then we'll come back and we keep doing all this stuff. So it's just, you know, you kind of figure out how to make it all work and all that stuff. But uh, man, I think overcoming uh, the the physical stuff probably has been the toughest. I don't know if there's been any like uh, technical things that have been super difficult to overcome, but in some, some films have just been uh, pretty brutal, like physically um, just lugging everything around constantly for a whole feature is, is a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I can attest to that. And especially if you're, you know, working out in the sun, you know, and it's 90 degrees and humid and you're, you've got nothing but an umbrella to cover you. It's just sweaty and swampy. It can be bad. <laughs> the physical aspect is definitely a, it's definitely a struggle. Yeah, no, I know, I know, like, I know this isn't like with first day seeing stuff, but I know, like, I did shoot a short film in uh, where I grew up in Senegal, West Africa, and man, I think we were like, I just had the camera on an easy rig, like, no breaks all day for like twelve hour days, thirteen hour days, and it's just like I had no. It was just me and the director and a sound person. So you know. The physical toll is obviously for real, but it's it's also like, you know, being able to not just do the physical aspects of it, but being clutch while you're doing it, being able to still pull focus or being able to still operate or being able to still DP or being able to still like be efficient at what you're doing and and not, you know, get too tired with all of the work. It's like pacing yourself. It's a marathon. And and I actually love that side of it of like being able to be like, hey, no matter what the task is, we're gonna we're gonna cross that finish line and we're gonna we're gonna get it done. So but no, that's probably that's probably the toughest things that I've had to overcome um, is just I know it's no specific examples, but yeah, that and like probably I, I mean, I, I guess the other one that I could think of is just dealing with DPs who are very verbally abusive and just being able to be like, man, how do I how do I take this negativity and not pass it on and just being able to be like, OK, cool, if I'm your if I'm your if I'm your punching bag, it stops here and being able to be like, I'm not going to retaliate okay, cool. I received this. Know that I've lost all my respect for you, but I will not, I will not let this pass on to anyone else. And I will not rise to that level either. And being able to stay calm and cool in that, in that situation. So. Yeah. The personalities thing is one of the, the toughest things I think to get over when you first get into the business is like, you know, cause everyone has this dream of what this glamorous dream of what the film industry is going to be like. And it's, you know, because you watch movies and you love movies and then you get into the business side of it and you realize there's a lot of personalities and sometimes they're not the greatest of personalities. And in my own life, there was a couple different shows that I worked on when I first started where I almost quit. 
like literally was like, I'm done with the film industry. I don't have the mindset to deal with all the the a-holes, you know? And I think it was, for me, it was 50% not wanting to deal with a-holes and 50% not being confident in my own skills. And once I became more confident, I learned how to deal with those people and I was better at my job as there was less aggression coming toward me. You know what I mean? So the personalities is you, everyone will will work with someone like that. But my advice is not to give up. Don't give up. Yeah, never, never. No, I think that's like one of the one of the first things that I always start every camera team meeting out. Every single every single feature that I do is guys just know that like most people in in life are really bad at handling stress and film sets bring out the worst in a lot of people. And so know that a lot of people are going to get stressed and just be aware of people's tendencies when they get stressed. And so know that like, hey, if things aren't going the right way or you start seeing tensions rise, just know that like things always start to trend a certain direction and be ready for that. Because if you're ready for it, it doesn't blindside you. And you can be better equipped to just knowing like, okay, cool. If this is, (laughs) if this person has a really bad rage or whatever, you're just like, it doesn't come as a shock or it doesn't bite down on you as much when, when you're like, okay, yep, I, I see that he's a, t- a ticking time bomb and I'm ready for that. But it is really sad, man. I think a lot of people just really just don't know how to handle a lot of that stuff because half of, half of film, maybe not even, maybe more than half of filmmaking uh, is literally just people skills and just management of knowing, knowing how to navigate like relationships with other people and knowing like people's strengths, people's weaknesses, how people get stressed, how people operate through all of that stuff and how to how to make movies in the midst of very difficult decision making, you know? Yeah. Just got to learn how to deal with it, man. And not internalize it. That's the thing. It's like, don't take it personal because they're doing it to everybody. They're probably doing it to everybody. <laughs> never taking anything personal because most most of the time, it's never your fault. It's never your fault that somebody is is getting frustrated. Right. What piece of advice would you give someone who's an aspiring camera assistant or just inspiring working in the film industry in general? Man, I think I think it all like what I what I would say to anyone that wants to get into this industry is man, it's it's awesome. It really is. Uh the fact that we get to tell stories and get to make films for a living is a blessing. You know, it's it's truly incredible. And if that's something that you, you want to do or you love, man, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. I will say that it does take a, a special breed of person to do it because there is a lot that comes with it um, that is not so glamorous. There is the huge physical toil that a lot of that takes. But then there's also, again, the people management skills uh, that come with it. So like the one thing, like the two things, I guess, is always, man, like good attitude and hustle is just the two things that are just un- unteachable and like, man, taking, taking pride in those two things, like being able to be like, man, you will work hard and you'll have a good attitude with that, man, that will carry you anywhere that you will go. I will hire, I will hire somebody who has a good attitude and will hustle hard over somebody that has a bunch of technical knowledge, like nine times out of 10, just because I want to be around good people. And I want to be around people that like want to work hard. And I want to be around people that like Apart from the one job where it's like, it's going to be super technical and it's a bunch of stuff that I don't know anything about and I need somebody who knows all that stuff. Like, man, I I hate working with like people that are just going to be there because they're just there and they're not going to work hard. It's like, man, I want to work with people that just like actually want to desire that. So if you, if you're, 
you're wanting to get into film, man, definitely show up ready to hustle and definitely show up with a good attitude and it will carry you everywhere that you want to go. Cause that's, that's all I ever came into this industry with was like, man, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to make sure I don't complain. I'm going to make sure that I just give everything that I have with a good attitude and people call back with that stuff, man. Yep. Good attitude is like, for me, number one, like if you, if I want to be around you for 14 hours a day, that's a very good sign that I'm going to keep hiring you. <laughs> and the other thing too, is like, things are going to get stressed out. Like things are going to be stressful and people are going to get attitudes and stuff. But like, no matter how stressful my day is at the end of the day, when I get home and I sit down on the couch, like I'm so proud of what I did. You know what I mean? Like I got through it. I was really angry earlier today, which doesn't happen very often, but like I was really mad earlier today because I was uh, upset about something that happened at work, but like I got through it and now it's a reset. Tomorrow is a brand new day, you know? Totally. Okay. So how many years have you been working in the business professionally? Nine years. Nine years. Nice. So how has the film industry affected your personal life? Have you had to make any sacrifices? Yeah, man. Filmmaking is tough in, in that regard. I think it's, it's a lot of travel. So you, uh, for some people, I guess, you know, it's a lot of travel. So you, you live a, you live a lifestyle where you're not always, you know, in one place, you know, it's, I think the tough thing for me is like, Hey man, you know, people are like, Hey, we're going to do this pickup league every Saturday. And I'm like, man, I don't know what my Saturday looks like next week. You know, I might be here. I might not be. So I, I know that that's tough. It's like not, not having a schedule that is like reliable. Um, I know that's different for you know, if you're on a really long run of a show or you're on uh, different things like that. But I know for me, it's like, man, I'm, I'm job to job so frequently where it's like, you know, I'm on this indie feature for four weeks and then I come back and it's like seven commercials. And then it's like, I am on a documentary after that. And then it's like, I have a short film and then it's like four commercials and then it's like another feature and it's like all over the place. So, and none of them are ever in the same city. <laughs> you're always like traveling all over the place. So it's like finding out some of those schedules last second too, where you're like, Hey, are you available in three days? And it's like, yeah, I am. So like just being able to bend to that, I think that that was like a really tough, tough thing to, to get used to. And then also just like, I think relationship wise, just like it, it's tough because it's hard to be a friend to a filmmaker, unless you're like in film itself. It's hard to be a friend to a filmmaker because you know, I have, I've had to bail so many times on like plans with other people where it's like, man, this is like how I get paid. This is what's happening. And like, I haven't had any income this month and this is like the one job. And I know that we had this thing planned, but I like, I have no way to pay my rent if I don't take this job. And so it's hard, it's hard to be a friend. It's hard to be a friend. So I think that that was like really tough, but I think for me, it's been a journey of figuring out like, okay, when I'm working, I, I, I try to be as intentional as I can with the people that I'm with on set. And then when I'm not working, I try to be as intentional as I can with everyone, whether they're friends from set or whether they're friends outside of set, you know, or my wife or my son, it's like, man, I'm going to fully invest in that. And I'm not going to be like trying to double dip into all these other worlds. It's like, man, how do I, how do I make sure that I'm like keeping my mentals healthy? How do I make sure that I'm taking care of my, my spirit? How do I make sure that I'm like continuing to feed myself when I'm off set? And then also making sure that I'm resting and being able to pour into other people and like, how do I make sure that when I'm on set, like I'm continuing that where I'm like continuing to pour into other, you know, filmmakers and making sure that, you know, they, they are able to, you know, get a smile, be able to just breathe for a second. Cause filmmaking is so stressful for so many people and just finding all that. But no, I think that there's like the sacrifices of just like, man, life, life changes. It doesn't look like normal people's lives. And so many people will try to give you so much advice and you're like, yeah, that advice does not apply to me because I, my lifestyle is so different. 
And I'm sorry, it doesn't make sense to you, but like, this is just unique for me and it's different. And so you just kind of have to like navigate how to be friends with people in a different way. And you have to navigate how to be, you know, a husband or a wife or, you know, just anything with like an uncle, you know, in a different way. You know, it's, it's, it's those things that you just have to pivot with and just figure out, okay, how do I, how do I take the time that I have and be efficient with it? And how do I, you know, just care about the other people that are in my lives differently. And so. Yeah. I've, I've kind of got this, this mentality with, with my schedule where, cause I don't, you know, I'll work like, I'll do like five months on a show and then have like a month or two off and then maybe do a feature or a couple commercials or all day play. But when I'm doing like the five months on a show, I basically have to tell people like, yeah, man, I'm starting a show in February. So I'll see you in, you know, September or, you know, whatever. It's like, I can probably come hang out with you on a weekend, maybe sometime. But I can't make, I'm not, I can't make plans with my own family, dude. I can't, you know, I, there's no way to make plans. I, my Friday, I might go to work at 7 p.m. and I won't be home till 8 a.m. And then I'm not doing anything Saturday. So it's a pretty, it's a, it's a, nom, it's nomadic almost. Like you were saying, you, you say you work all over. I mean, you're like a nomad. You just have to go yeah. where the, you got to go where the work is. And then you don't get, you don't get a say in what your hours are too, where it's like, oh, hey we're going to do this job. And you're like, awesome, I'm available. And then like a week before they're like, hey, just so you know, it's all overnights. And you're like, okay, cool. So now I'm going to immediately switch into that. So, okay, anything that I was going to do, I cannot do now, like after we finished. So it's, it's like, you know, you pivot, you have to pivot a lot. And I think it's just like learning, learning how to learn yourself really well. I think you just got to learn how to, you know, navigate all of that stuff. I, I think, I think in, in, a, in a way, I think that it's just like really important to just spend time knowing who you are, knowing what is important to you and what is, you know, ways that you want to navigate this life, man. I think because, you know, it's, it's so important to like, it translates to what happens into your work and when you're not working. And so just like being able to know all that stuff, I think has helped me so much of just being able to be intentional with people and being able to rest when I'm not working and then being able to fully dive in to being the best first AC that I can and being the best right hand that I can to a DP. It's, I think it's all of those things that, that matter so much of just, it's, it's a tough thing to navigate. It definitely is not easy. I can say that for sure, but it is a beautiful thing that I would not trade for anything else because it has pushed me in so many waves and it has continued to just been, be a journey that has like been better than I could have imagined. Same here, man. All right. Well, um, I think that's about it, dude. Uh, Bradford, thank you so much for, for taking the time to join me today. And I, I can't wait to uh, listen to some of your episodes. And thank you for being uh, one of my guests. No, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus Puller at Work podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to hear each new episode as they drop. If you're interested in being featured on the podcast, please reach out to info at focuspulleratwork.com. Thanks, everybody.